Hey! How you doing out there? It's April 7th, 2017. This is the first episode of Season 8. I made the call. Yeah. Yeah. Hey. You, what you didn't know is that we had a couple people that were like, Hey, uh, when is the next season going to start? No yeah, way. I had two people last week. So now we're up to two listeners. Yeah. That's fantastic. So right, we're this doing this for you guys. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm so excited. I feel so alone now. <laughs> I will say this. I, um, I'm teaching this semester uh, to undergraduates. And, um, oh, my gosh, I just I constantly feel so alone. Every time I make some kind of pop culture reference, they just don't get it. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Just blanks. So even though you're in a room full of people, you feel alone? Yeah. Mm. Isn't that terrible? It's well, they are like worse. 20, right? Older. 20, 22? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. Tw- I, yeah, well. And But the thing is, is like, I don't, you don't realize how old you are until you have to talk to somebody who's. Half your age? Yeah. And then, and then you just. You know what? I, I guess I should be looking at this glass as half full. That at least we're able to communicate. At least we have the same language. Because it could have been worse. <laughs> they kind of do have their own language, though, right? With like the written texting abbreviations. Mm. I feel like I can't read a lot of that. Yeah, but they don't. That doesn't come up in the in the in the lecture so much. In the mm. questions. They don't lol you. No. Mm. <laughs> oh, lol, 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 lol. Uh, all right. So here, I'll give you an example. So let's see if we can. Uh, connect oh on this. Gosh. All right. So, um, who wrote, who wrote, who wrote the song, and what's the name of the song that has this lyric? Hey, farmer, farmer, put away that DDD, DDT now. Leave me spots on my apples, but give me my birds and the bees, please. No clue. No clue. No clue. Sorry. Um, how about this? I'll throw that the hippie lady. Out. Oh, keep going. She, she sings with Bobby McGee. Oh, no, no, oh. no. <laughs> Janis no. Joplin. Janis Joplin. <laughs> Was she a hippie? Uh, um, I think so. Okay. Uh, here, I'll give you the, uh, another verse, or I'll give you the chorus. Uh, don't it always seem to go? You don't know what you got till it's gone. Pay paradise, um, put up a parking lot. Cinderella, a uh, uh, big hair band in the 90s, sang a song, You Don't Know What It's Got, or You Don't Know What You Got Till It's Gone, but... <laughs> Oh, that is fantastic. <laughs> Cinderella. Yeah. Well, that did, you know, it made sense when I was in high school that a bunch of really masculine guys wore eyeliner and had huge hair and called themselves Cinderella. <laughs> it, made, it made total sense. But looking back on it now. Like, that was a lot of spandex. It was. Oh, my. And, and they were just so... But yet somehow they were masculine. Yes, they were. I mean, <laughs> so, all the girls. Yeah. yeah. So sorry, I don't get your reference. So, Put up a parking lot. I, under- parking lot. I understand. I remember that phrase, but I don't you, remember. You've heard that song. Maybe? Yes, I have definitely heard that song, but I cannot tell you who sings it. I, I asked my students this, and I, I played the, the song for them, and there were a lot of heads going, yeah, yeah, I know that. That's Counting Crows. Oh, yeah. It's like, no, no, no. Counting Crows. Counting Crows did a cover oh. of that song. That many people know, you know, Pave Paradise, put up a parking lot. But the actual title is Big Yellow Taxi, mm. which is just uh, one of the lines in a, in a uh, verse um, at the very end of the song. And it was written by none other than Joni Mitchell. Mm, I was close when I said Janis Joplin. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I was in the right era. I, no? Yeah. I did no, I get partial no, credit? Is that just, what the students say? Uh, Can you, I get partial <laughs> Mm, I, you know, mm. I, we'll, we'll talk about it after class. Okay. So, um, 
Anyway. You're feeling old. I'm feeling old, uh, disconnected, but, you know, the more things change, the more they stay the same. DDT, well, not DDT, but insecticides, and uh, uh, we're in the news. A different one this time. Yeah, they're always in the news, it seems like. How many podcast episodes have we had talking about what's in, what's out? So many. Yeah. I mean, that's part of our job, but yeah. Well, to be fair. It's part of my job? job. Yeah, okay. You're the communicator. I'm the educator that Mm -hmm. nobody understands Mm -hmm. because I'm so old. Yeah, so... um, the, uh, I think we've talked about this in the past because we, we brought this up when it, uh, when we were talking about aphids being resistant to insecticides and the need to have a broad array of insecticides to use mm-hmm. of different with varying modes of action. Um, so one of those modes of action is um, the uh, uh, is found a different mode of action is found as chlorpyrifos, which was being reviewed by EPA. They were being asked to review it, right? Because they were being sued, or a complaint came up against them. Yeah, yeah, uh, and I, I, as I understand it, there, you know, there was there was data that were brought in, and um, EPA uh, was considering it. They were delaying. There was an environmental group. There was uh, a couple, right? The There was a petition brought in by the Natural Resources Defense Council and the Pesticide Action Network of North America, mm. plus I think a few others, but those, those were the big ones. And they were concerned about the, the health and safety of this organophosphate. Uh, right. Yeah. And um, there's some evidence, I guess, that they had brought forth that it was – somewhat recent, mm-hmm. suggesting there were human health effects that hadn't been considered by EPA and that uh, they should think about restricting its use. Mm-hmm. So one of the ways that EPA can restrict uses is by setting uh, the, the tolerance that's allowed for that pesticide to be found on harvestable products. On grain, for example? Yeah, yeah. or apples. Mm-hmm. Um, call back to the mm-hmm. the scabby yeah. apples spots spotty spots. apples spotty yeah apples. and um in in effect this is a way of restricting the use of the insecticide because it becomes hard to reduce the what little is already found on that without just you know reducing the use of it and yeah or making the the concentration so low it doesn't have any actual effect on the insects anymore yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but spoiler alert for those who haven't seen this already in the news, EPA has retained the tolerances. So in effect, not restricting the use of chlorpyrifos across the board. Right. As right? far as I know. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, we, I can't really speak to the human health impacts of this, but on the pest management side, especially for soybeans, um, this can be very useful because yeah. in areas where pyrethroid-resistant aphids exist, soybean aphids exist, Um, this is one mode of action that we think still works. We don't have any evidence that it doesn't work, so it would be an alternative. Yep, it's a a different group number and is a a very different alternative to a pyrethroid, so it does offer another option for for farmers who think they may have a problem when they're not getting good performance from a pyrethroid anymore. And so there really aren't a lot of different organophosphates out there so this chlorpyrifos would be probably the most common one that people are using 
in soybean, I'm guessing, mm-hmm. in kind of the Midwest. I can't say outside of the, uh, of the Midwest. How about in corn? Yeah, you can use you you can use it, um, and it's also in a in a different formulation called cobalt, which is a couple different things. But um, a couple different insecticides. Yeah, yeah. so um, it's used in corn and soybean as well. So it's it's a it's a big win, I think, for Dow AgroSciences to have those tolerances allowed, and maybe for the greater agriculture to have that flexibility, because if you limit some of those options and it really puts a lot of pressure on maybe a product that isn't doing so well maybe in some areas so maybe i i don't know if you would consider it a big win or not but um it would really have changed what people were doing for the summer if it would have gotten approved or i don't know what you if call the it tolerances were reduced revoked yeah. such that yeah the yeah. usage would be restricted mm-hmm. um yeah, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong about this. My sense is that the use of chlorpyrifos in corn over the last decade or more has gone down. Yeah, I would probably agree with you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As more farmers are using BT corn uh, for both corn borer and, and rootworm, the, the need for that as a soil insecticide or even a foliar has dropped off. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, in soybeans... That uses over the last decade has gone up. Mm-hmm. Is that yeah, I would agree with you. At least in the north central region, yeah. Iowa, Minnesota, mm-hmm. Illinois. Yeah, yeah. Eh, maybe not so much Illinois. But I would agree. In with areas you. where the soybean aphid, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then for spider mites, it's it's used as well. That's right. Yeah. So for those hot and dry years, which we've had a few in the last couple of years, it yeah. seems to be a more effective option than many of the pyrethroids. So given what the uh, National Defense Council and the other organization that that brought this suit to EPA, um, given their concerns, is there any hope that chlorpyrifos use might decline in the future? Mm. For, say, for soybeans? I don't know. An increase? Um, that That is harder for me to predict. Part of it's just based on the price points of the products. And for a lot of the pyrethroids, there are generics, which are a little bit cheaper um, to apply than like the patented versions yeah. or whatever. So part of it just depends on the price. And I, I don't know offhand enough to say that there are generic uh, organophosphates out there. I, I think there are, but you know, it wouldn't, w- wouldn't have that trade name of like Lord's Man. But, yeah. yeah. And, and what's influencing your thinking is the use of insecticides for soybean aphids. Is that fair to say? Yes. Yep. Yeah, I was wondering about for other pests, like for spider mites, hmm. if there would be, um, if there would be some replacement as we've seen some new miticides come on the market with labels for use in soybeans, if that might cut into the use of chlorpyrifos in soybeans. It would definitely definitely be my recommendation to use a miticide, and we've we've talked about that. Um, in previous episodes about using a miticide for spider mites to not have only better efficacy but to reduce exposures to soybean aphids and other right other pests yeah. so yeah i think that would be that would be my recommendation how often that would actually happen i don't know yeah yeah and my sense is that farmers may not have a lot of experience with those miticides so yes. it's not clear that there will be you know comfortable using them right out the gate there may right. be some lag time 
-hmm. in terms of their adoption. But yep, I, I think you're right. But I guess like that one lyric from that classic Van Halen song, "Only time will tell mm -hmm. if it stands the test of time." <laughs> <laughs> Sammy Hagar is a poet. Oh. Say what you will about the Red Rocker. I like Van Halen better than Van Hagar, but mm. Mm. again, we think about spandex and big hair. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, quick, change the subject. Sure. Um, any other topics to talk about? Um, we've been gone for a couple of weeks. You went to Costa Rica. Yes, I did. Learn anything about pest management down there? Oh, it's so hard they, down there because they do almost everything by hand. Oh wow! Um, because it's hot. The, it's hot and the land is uneven. Yeah. And it can be very steep, and so like mechanical options that we have here just aren't available. They wouldn't be practical and they wouldn't be affordable down there. So oh. uh, farms are smaller. A lot of hand harvest, hand sanitation. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Um, while you were in Costa Rica, using the hand sanitizer and the, <laughs> and the suntan <laughs> Eating mango lotion. and rice and beans three yeah. times a day. Mm. I, I went to uh, Memphis for the uh, annual soybean entomologist meeting of the USDA-sponsored um, soybean entomology project. Um, the working at, group. The working group. Yeah. yeah. Uh, S1055, as mm -hmm. it's currently called. And it was, uh, it was interesting. It's a real meeting of the minds. You've got the... Uh, the Northerners, of which I'm a member, meeting with the Southerners, which are the entomologists from the southern states. And there is a remarkable difference between how soybeans are grown um, up here versus down there, especially with regards to pest management practices. They, uh, they have a long list of uh, pests that we don't think of or need to think of. Mm -hmm. um, Fred Musser out of uh, that region. Mississippi. Yeah. He runs a yearly summary of the pest impacts, the insect pest impacts to soybeans. Mm -hmm. He's been publishing this through the, I think it's the Mid-South Entomologist. It's an online journal. And he was showing us some trends over the eight years that he's been doing this. Um, and it's remarkable because they, they see some year-to-year -year differences based on their surveys um, and some shifting in the pest aside uh, application and the, um, the types of pests that their farmers are concerned with. Um, one thing that was remarkable about the South versus the North is they talk about how like a huge percentage, and I, I don't think I'm remembering this point, like 90% of their soybean acres are scouted. Wow. That that surprised you, doesn't uh, yeah, it? Yeah, it I does. Mean, compared to what we have up here. Well, we have a lot more acres in general. Is that right? But, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. the yeah. the need to spray, uh, the likelihood of spraying down there is very light. I mean, it's very high. Yeah. And so it's great to hear that scouting is such a big part of the program. Yeah. Uh, your point's well taken. I think he gave an estimate of something like 20% of all soybeans grown in the United States are grown mm. in the southern states. Georgia, Mississippi. Are we number Tennessee. one? Um, I mean, it's not bragging if it's true, right? This is true. Oh, who said that? <laughs> you uh, did. Yeah, no, oh. no, that's a that's a line from a, is that a Toby Keith song? Yeah, yeah, I think it is. I know, this is the most musical episode ever. Mm. Well, mm. I came back from Memphis. Oh yeah. 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 Went down to Beale Street. Anyway, yeah, it was uh, that was remarkable. Um, You've also been in Minnesota. 
yeah, South Dakota. Yeah, I mean, you've uh, been everywhere, yeah. man. I've been everywhere, man. I've been everywhere. Uh, Johnny Cash. Mm, yes, I yeah, Okay. Well, see, so you know that. I know that Johnny one. Mitchell. Wow, no. you're more country. You're a little bit country. I, I didn't guess, think so. I guess I'm a little bit rock and roll. <laughs> I think we should probably wrap up. We, Wait, I have, a, I have a couple oh, more things. Okay, okay. Um, one more thing is uh, one I more time. Oh, <laughs> I just I just got some uh, data from the overwintering mm. uh, mortality for bean leaf beetle, mm. and uh, I'll put a link on that to the podcast. But basically, the mortality was kind of moderate. Oh yeah. About half of the beetles are expected to survive, and that varies a little bit based on where you are in the state. But that's uh, a pretty low the mortality was low compared to the last couple of years so okay. if you happen to be in an area that is affected by bean leaf beetle especially if you have a struggle with bean pod monovirus in the past it is worth your time to go out there when soybeans emerge and just kind of check and see what those numbers are and those might be places where a seed treatment would be warranted yeah this year yes yeah. There might be a healthy population of bean leaf beetles coming out right now, I would imagine. Yeah, I think they're active right now on alfalfa and maybe some of the clovers and things. And uh, if you happen to be one of the first beans up in the area, that's really attractive to the beetles. So, yep. Anything else? I think that's good. That's good. All yeah. right. Hey, for the first episode, we're off to a good start. I know. I oh, feel good about that. We have some upcoming events. Okay. I wanted to share with you. For anybody in the state of Iowa that is a new agronomist or maybe new to agronomy, um, some of the young interns and that kind of thing, we're having a scouting basics field day at Feel, which is a little demo farm between Ames and Boone, Iowa, on May 16th. And then I also wanted to get... Save the date. Early plug. Yes. Um, Matt O'Neill, Greg Tilka, and I are having a field day at Feel. Uh, that's all about aphids and nematodes. I I'm super to this. pumped. Yes, you did. <laughs> You're on the calendar for mm. August 17th. Mm. So okay. uh, we're going to be sharing the latest and greatest research, scouting, management, identification, all that kind of stuff. So and, and this is really uh, focused on soybeans. Two of the main soybean pests in uh, in Iowa, yeah, if not the region, and both facing issues related to resistance. Yep, that's right. And so I'll provide a link. You can register for these events right now. Okay. I'll put a link uh, for that so you can find out more information. Hey, yeah. hope to see you there. Yeah, and you can find us in so many ways. So many ways. Uh, Google soybean entomology on the Googles. Uh, Aaron is sending out the tweets faster mm-hmm. than the Donald at Aaron W. Hodson. That's right. Uh, you, of course, can do this through email if you want to contact us. Uh, very simple. My name, my email is O'Neill, O-N-E-A-L, at iastate.edu. And Aaron's are just her, her initials, yep. E-W-H. That's right. At iastate.edu. Subscribe via iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and Pocket Cast. Pocket Cast? Yeah. Oh. Hmm. It's just another podcatcher. Okay. Yeah. And uh, on our list of things to do is to play the outro music. Okay. Outro music. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Reunited. Quick with the music. It's a good start to season eight. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks.